Okay. Hello, wonderful people. This is Jason English with Things About Things, simplifying concepts without sacrificing depth. Thanks for joining in for Concept 11. I'm titling today's concept Analog. I'm here with Joe Mager. Joe's my neighbor, my friend. You actually may know Joe without realizing it. If you're in Boone, you probably have seen him driving his orange 1987 Toyota 4Runner. Hi, Joe. How you doing, Jason? <laughs> Good. Thanks for having me over. We're let's go straight to where we are right now. So normally I record these on my iPad Mini using an iOS condenser mic and this little cheap arm thing holding it in place, <laughs> and it, and it's digital, and we're recording this in an analog way. But where are we right now? We're in the basement of my house, uh, where I have a modest recording studio built out down here. It's a uh, at one time a career that's just now kind of become a uh, valuable pastime. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of side work sometimes. Um, it's mostly older gear, uh, anywhere from the late 70s up until a couple of modern pieces that I have as well. It's a man cave is how <laughs> I would word it. It's I wish it's dark. <laughs> I wish people would see, maybe I'll post a picture or something, but... Uh, it's like not man cave like HGTV man cave with a seventy inch no, flat no screen. TVs. It's it's just a basement like how people used to mean basement, <laughs> and it has a lot of amazing equipment in here, and the ambiance is is quite awesome. Uh, so, what is what is analog? What does that word mean? Does it just mean the opposite of digital? Or what does it mean? I think the easiest way to understand analog is to actually first look at what digital is. So digital can be thought of as a representation of an analog signal. So, and by signal, I mean a sound wave, a light wave, something that physically moves through the air, through the world, through the universe, and touches us through our eyes, as in light, through our ears, as in sound. And that would be what I would consider an analog signal. It's, it's how things travel, how uh, information is transmitted. Um, that includes radio waves, so in the case okay. of TVs and stuff like that. So the digital technology that came along took those waves and it looked at how the physical properties of these waves are. So wavelength, frequency, amplitude, all the ways that you measure okay. a wave. And it figured out a way to replicate that wave in a binary form, uh, ones and zeros, wow. digital. So every characteristic of that wave of light or sound can be represented in a digital format, which has you know enormous benefits. Um, yeah. I, th I think that the number one question I have, and I want to go into several aspects of analog because you... You're, you you kind of do things in the old school way, and and I and I love that, and I'd imagine the quality's higher, but it also just seems so much harder. So why is it? Why do you have? Why would someone have equipment from the '70s and '80s that does this when you can so much more easily do it digitally? Or maybe I'm assuming it's easier. Well, I mean the debate between the pros and cons of analog and digital in different platforms, music and photography, art, all that is a very vibrant, healthy debate that's been going on since the, the birth of digital. 
Um, the quality aspect of it is definitely um, not necessarily an analog's court. Um, there's a lot of, I mean, you can, they know that like uh, digital photo sensors can create a higher resolution than film. Okay. Um, I think the appeal of the analog is really more in the experience. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not a fan of sitting in front of computers. I don't like to sit in front of a screen for hours on end. Uh, so getting into digital to create, to use the creative process um, is a little bit of a deterrent for me because I just, I don't want to sit there looking at a computer. So how, so for those listening, we're recording this with Joe's equipment in his basement. Yep. And if you've listened to the other podcasts that have the other things about things podcasts, you're probably going to notice a significant difference. I, I'd imagine. I haven't, we haven't listened to it. We yet. haven't listened to it yet. It's <laughs> happening, uh, but I'd imagine that's the case. And I, like I said, I have it's an iPad Mini and an iOS condenser mic, and then I airdrop that to the MacBook, and then boom, boom, boom. It doesn't take very long. It's live on the internet. Walk through the process of what you're doing for this recording. How is this being recorded, sure. and then how is it going to go on the World Wide Web for people? So it's starting capturing the signal the vocal cords produce okay. the sound okay you starting know, there got, yeah i mean <laughs> if you really look at uh analog and digital it all starts analog mm -hmm. because it starts with a source of light and it so starts with a source of sound which mm -hmm. is creates those waves so it all starts analog our voice hits these microphones which are also still analog they have a little plate in them and it vibrates and it sends a signal through the microphone and it goes all the way through a couple of preamps that okay. i have which basically just boost the signal. They sometimes will give it character. There's all different kinds of processing you do to the signal. And then from there, it goes into the mixing console. And that allows you to mix multiple signal paths all together. Mm -hmm. uh, what they call mixing. It's taking all those different microphones and sticking them together. And then from there, we're going to digital. <laughs> okay. We're hitting uh, my Alesis Masterlink. So uh, that has a hard drive in it and the two signals from our microphones are ending up on there. And at that point, I can burn it onto a CD, compact disc, and <laughs> uh, give that to you. And if you're fortunate enough to still have a disc drive somewhere in your house, <laughs> you I, can put it onto... <laughs> I don't on the laptop, <laughs> but I have, a, I have an external CD-ROM drive that can USB into the MacBook Air, and that'll be fine. From my perspective, since I don't know all these things I'm looking at, I would describe this as I am in one of the Dharma Initiative hatches from the the show Lost. If, I don't, have you ever seen that? Not no? familiar. So you ha I see a lot of needles moving yep. and some lights flickering. I see a, a, a board the size of a, a healthy coffee table <laughs> <laughs> with a whole rack of really cool things and my friends that are all into music and sound engineering would probably just be in heaven right now just watching all these needles move it's uh it's, it seems like a lot but but why why do you you know it's one thing that you don't like computers and sitting in front but uh, of a screen but why do you go through so much trouble to get a better quality so it's been my experience that for myself, people I've spoken to that are also drawn to this kind of 
style, if you will. Um, it tends to be individuals who are more interested or just as interested in the process of creating something as they are the final outcome. So this is physical switches. This is right. more interactive. It's like a different way of thinking about it. And for me, it makes sense. Uh, for me, it has the appeal of the hands-on. Yeah. Uh, so that that really resonates with me. Um, the the action of grabbing something with a mouse and dragging it a little bit, moving it, just doesn't seem to have the same yeah. something. I don't know what as turning a knob. Yeah, and maybe they shouldn't. You know, maybe intentionality. That's not fair. I don't know. Like, <laughs> well, no. I mean, it, it also makes me think. I know this is not really an analog thing, but it makes me think of the difference between your social media version of friends and then your actual friends. Sure. Can you maintain a friendship on the internet? Yeah, you can. Is it the same as being face to face with humans? No, it is not. So, can you record an album with a computer? Yes, of course you can. Is it the same? No, I guess it's not, right? So you, you, you go out of your way to do this sound engineering. Do you want to talk a little bit more about what these bells and whistles do? And That's a good analogy, by the way. I think oh, that's, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Um, well, without being, like, familiar with everything, you know, you, the, all, all of this equipment is designed to either monitor your signal path, again, that electrical signal that came, started at the microphone, uh, you have a, a very linear path that that signal travels to end up ultimately at the speakers. So all of this equipment, each channel, each button is a little stop along the way. I think it like maybe bus stops or something. And uh, at each one of those stops, you have the opportunity to alter or change the signal. Wow. Uh, that might be through EQ, which affects the frequency of it, uh, your highs and your lows. Right. Uh, you might have compression, which uh, kind of squishes the signal a little bit. So the softer stuff comes up and the louder stuff goes down a little bit. Okay. Um, there is effects. There's all the, you know, we're familiar with like delay effects and yeah. reverb. Everybody knows reverb. Mm -hmm. um, so that, you know, those each one of these just gives you an opportunity to kind of tweak and alter the the signal yeah and I, you're a musician you're also you help bands record albums and and have that experience like you said that's a little bit different than than the digital experience there's just so much here it probably has taken you years to get to the place where you have acquired this equipment and and understand this equipment and all of its capabilities that's the only reason I feel comfortable accepting people's money to do this because I really love doing it. Yeah. But you have to give yourself like some of the value of taking all the time, all the listening. Um, I was fortunate enough to be a house engineer at a recording studio mm -hmm. uh, in Richmond, Virginia for a couple of years and gained a lot of experience there. Kind of saw the ins and outs and the daily operations of a recording studio. So that experience helped me figure out where to invest my money, how to grow this equipment, how to have something that will be functional yeah. for people. And, and you know, it, that has value. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You've invested a lot of time and money into this. Any other thoughts? Because I want to move on to, there's a few other aspects of the analog world that I know you specifically focus on, but uh, sound engineering stuff, any other thoughts here? Um, you know, I, 
one thing that I think is interesting to think about in terms of analog, and maybe you can use this to segue into, you know, outside of the the sound and the audio mm-hmm. realm, but right. um, digital only really affects us on a couple of levels. You know, you think we got our five senses. Um, we can have a digital experience with light, and we can have a digital experience with sound, but there's no digitalization of smell or taste. Uh, feel would be the only one, I guess. Our, our sense of touch might be questionable because you can feel sound waves. Mm-hmm. So, And sometimes that's... Uh, a neat way to think about uh, the physical aspect of sound is when you can actually feel it. Uh, you know, <laughs> right. Stood in front of a giant bass cabinet at a show, yeah. you know, you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, so you know, really, the world is a lot more analog using that uh, sort of definition of analog than I think we realize, and are sometimes led to believe. You know, digital offers immense potential and possibilities for our economy. Uh, you know, our economy drives the digital um, because of the efficiency of it, uh, yeah. the ability to communicate with it, to transfer the signal. I mean, you know, radio waves, TV is not known for being particularly reliable. You know, remember the antennas and a storm would come through. And yeah. Digital, you got a clear, sharp picture. It's inexpensive. Uh, it's a lot easier to edit. There's a lot of benefits. And and listening to music now, it, any song, really any song ever, I could probably find right now on my phone, and listen to it. But if I, sure. but but that would not be the case if I wanted to get it on vinyl. And, and I know that that's that's another thing I want to talk about is you have a a collection of vinyl records. My wife has a collection of vinyl records. Oh, it's Bryce. Okay. That is definitely Bryony's. Uh, I have, you know, maybe a dozen or so sprinkled in there. But, yeah, she's got probably about 800, 900 records up there. Um, you know, and that that starts where you get into where I think a lot of people uh, live in the analog-digital debate is just in the experience. Yeah. How we are uh, taking in uh, the 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 photos the music the whatever um you know the the vinyl appeals to a lot of people because it's more interactive you know you're having to physically go flip a record you know that is an appeal uh ironically maybe i happen to be thrilled with the fact that i can just plug my phone in and listen to whatever i want yeah you know i'm not particularly picky on that side of things um Bryony loves the experience of listening to a record. And then, you know, the record, while we're on that topic, has its own set of appeals, too. The scratch, the clicks, the hiss. Yeah. Like, that adds an aesthetic to the recording that uh, and also, a lot of people think, think enhances for me, it. I went through this whole phase where I had record player and got some vinyl, and I was into some stuff, mostly from, like, 70s. And... It just became kind of an exhausting hobby, and I just kind of <laughs> got rid of it. It's but a lot of work. It is. But I will say, it became, when I was do- into that, I would listen to music with people. And now I never really listen to music with anyone. Sometimes Kimberly and I will, on some Bluetooth speaker we have or something, but normally my music experience is a solitude experience now. And obviously in some ways that's good but it's lacking something. And so when I, with vinyl, put the needle on there, it starts to, you got that little hiss and you know something is about to happen. And I listen more intentionally 
if it's on vinyl. And if I, this is only going to be playing for five or 10 minutes before it's over and I have to flip it over, I better listen. But if I just press play on my phone, ah, it'll play for hours. I, I don't even have to listen to this. And you might listen to songs you wouldn't otherwise, because how often are we just listening to playlists now? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, most artists, I believe, uh, write albums as a complete piece. Um, you know, obviously in our oh, yeah. um, modern economy where we're trying to sell records, the single has, you know, become a big driver. But, you know, an artistic approach for most musicians, I think, really is they're telling a bigger story than oh, just man. the single. So once when you I put stopped, on that record, yeah. I know. Or even once I stopped buying CDs, I rarely listened to an album in the order in which the band wanted it to be heard used to be almost like this uh, experience, this journey you went on with the, the, the band. We've presented these to you, these 11 songs in this order, on purpose, with intentionality for you to listen to through. And even some of the transitions between the songs that were Absolutely. sometimes didn't pause in between. And sure. that was all on purpose and tells a story. And now I, I rarely do that. I can tell you from being on this side of the recording process, yeah. I have seen some heated debates among <laughs> band members about song order and yeah, track yeah. order. <laughs> like, uh, you're right. It's a, it's a big part of the expression uh, of creating an album. Yeah. Not to be taken lightly. <laughs> right. So you also are into film camera or film. How, how do I say that? Film. Yeah. Film, Photog- film photography. Film I photography. Uh, a 1976 camera? I can't remember. 74, I'm 19- pretty sure. Yeah. Right. And uh, I'd imagine it's a little, same thing. It's a little bit more of a cost to <laughs> buy yeah. film process film uh is it really worth it well i would have to be honest and say i've never shot with a digital camera oh okay so um i've never really compared the two in that regard um my relationship with photography is one that i've not really explored a whole lot um when I was in high school, as a freshman in high school, I took a photo class. Yeah. And uh, the school had a handful of cameras, just, you know, old SLR cameras. And my dad, when I showed him my school camera, he's like, oh, no, 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 I got a better camera for you. So yeah. he got out his old Canon that he bought when he was young. He took all over, I mean, all his travels. He's got, uh, actually, his he's got lots of uh, spools of slides that he shot with it. <laughs> but... Um, he gave me that camera, and I just never gave it back to him. I held on to the camera, <laughs> and it has been just a part of my life to varying degrees ever since. Um, yeah. I have these boxes of photographs, and they go back to high school. Yeah. And it's just, uh, you know, maybe for a few months here and there, one year will be a lot, another year is not so much, and I've just explored with it. Um, what I've learned over the years with that camera is... Uh, just the touch and the feel of the film. Um, how light's going to hit it, how, you know, you might get a flare from this source of light or, you know, how this dark, the contrast, I don't, you know, all those different yeah. aspects of the photograph of capturing an image. And 
I don't know that the digital light sensors react the same way. Probably they do. I mean, from what I've read, the fidelity, the quality of digital really is much, much better at this point than, than the resolution of film. Um, but I think, again, it goes back to that same something, the undefinable something that capturing those light waves and the chemical process of the film and the chemical process of the processing, the physical, the physicality of it, uh, lends it some sort of special vibe or feel or something. And th there are these moments, <laughs> I, I agree, there, there are these moments that I think that, uh, you know, Wi-Fi signal goes out and it's like people's world falls apart because they can't get online. And it kind of reminds you, oh, there's an entire process in which people do these things to share a picture with your friends if, if there was no internet would be probably film camera, process it, show, hand show the people, maybe mail them if you yeah, don't live. Prints. Yeah, double prints. I remember those days. <laughs> and and actually, maybe that, that moment of sharing becomes so much more intentional than just someone sees it quickly on Instagram and Absolutely. just sort of taps the little heart and they move on. And so I, I used to do film and just just moved on. It just was like... Uh, it's expensive. I can just do this so much easier with my phone. And of course, I, I, I also chalked it up to all the lighting and all these things. I'm sure that they dealt with that. And this phone's going to magically do everything. I'm just going to press this button and it's going to be fine. And, and then I have thousands of pictures. And I, they're, well, with the exception of, you know, family moments, really the pictures don't, they don't feel as special to me because they were so easily taken and so easily stored and all that. Talk. Talk to me about that feeling of, is it 24 pictures that's on a, I can't remember. There's 12, 24, 36. Works. Okay. Yeah. So you have uh, yeah, 12, 24 or 36 pictures. You have this experience that is a, a, the, a lost, beautiful moment in our culture where you take the picture and then you have to wait to see what the picture is. Nowadays, you take it, you immediately look at it and the, you've been, you know, uh, satisfied already in that moment. You can What's, delete it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can delete it if it's not good. What is that feeling like? Well, you know, I like it. Um, there is definitely... You have to put a lot more thought, I guess, into the picture because it's not so disposable and instant. You know, you think about it differently, also because you're spending money on each frame. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I find it really interesting when the kids who I take a lot of pictures of come up and grab the camera from me and look at the backside of it and say, I want to see, Yeah, you know, and they, <laughs> so they'll just, I like that they're getting that experience at least to some degree because before digital cameras, that's, that's all we had, you know, everybody had yeah. to wait for their pictures. Yeah. Um, it, I don't, it doesn't bother me. Uh, Bryony, my wife was giving me a hard time because, um, the film processor that I'm using now, I mail it out to this place in uh, New Hampshire, and they upload your pictures to a little like website, okay. and you can look at your. But film. they also mail you the. But then actual, they mail you the yeah. prints if you want them. You don't even have to get the prints, okay, yeah. but um, you know you can just look at them. So she was giving me a hard time because uh, I was excited because I was like, oh, I finally get to see my pictures. 
but they're on the computer screen. Right. You know? <laughs> um, and just getting to start to see the photographs on a computer screen was a really um, cool experience for me because all I'd ever had was prints. Uh, I had never seen it. And I went to a new processor that started just automatically putting scans of the negatives <laughs> yeah. on a disc for me. So I was like, oh, I wonder what they look like like this. And I saw them very differently after that. Yeah. You know? um, so that part of, I don't know where I was going with that. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> That's all right. It's a good experience to uh But it's interesting kids, because but. I know you and I know that you're doing the film photography and then you're you're kind of like the last the last man standing on uh what was it it's only a year ago you got a cell phone or something like that yeah yeah it's been yeah about a year so you were the last person i knew (laughs) that and if just in case someone's thinking i meant they didn't have a smartphone and it was only a flip phone that's not what i'm saying he didn't have a (laughs) mobile phone Uh, he was the guy where it's like you call his house phone leave him a message or actually, you know what it really was? My communication with you before you got a cell phone was, if we happened to be at the bus stop at the same time, dropping off or picking, <laughs> up, picking up our kids, we would roll down the window and talk, which is entirely what I remember my whole childhood being like. What else would there be other than talking to people? <laughs> you know? Sure. And so now you, got, you have your phone, but once you got on Instagram, you've been posting... You're, so you're posting digital pictures that I know that you're taking on film camera. Right. And I, since I know that, when I'm scrolling through on Instagram, I stop, I slow down and pay more attention to the picture because I know that you took it with, generally speaking, more intentionality than if it wasn't. And that's kind of an interesting thing. I'm, I'm experiencing it digitally, but it's a an analog camera sure. well going back again to the experience i mean that's your that's the ipad version i mean the ipod version of the photographs yeah yeah you know, it's the digitalized but um again yeah i mean it's not about the final product so much as yeah. the process mm-hmm. um you know i mean i'll think about taking a drive after work one day and knowing a spot where i could take a couple of shots or something some idea i've had and you're right it's much more much more intentional uh even the ones i i've been posting in my studio here uh this week uh i thought you know what i've never taken photographs of some of this old equipment let me try it out and see what it looks like you know so uh i don't know how i don't know what the like the ultimate intention of that is other than just kind of like see what i can make it look like i don't you know there's not like something really driving it other than a creative expression and I know there are, there are most likely people in Boone that like to make music that are listening right now and they might be able to try to make an album in a really simple way that's digital but also might be interested in coming in this basement and recording a song or a full album as a band and that's something you're open to right people yeah. bands coming in and um, I have limited availability, but yes. Right, right. Limited availability, <laughs> but yeah, like uh, you would be the sound engineer kind of turning the knobs and flipping the switches and making sure the needles do what they're supposed to do. That's right. Um, but you specialize in, and correct me if I'm wrong, you specialize in it being all, like all the musicians would be playing at the same time? So, yes, I'm, I can definitely do that. Um, right. That has a lot of benefits, uh, particularly for 
like full bands that are playing as opposed to recording separate tracks exactly yeah, yeah. instead of tracking everything um the main driver for a lot of groups for that is that it's faster and it's less expensive. Uh-huh. It's, it takes a lot less time. Uh, the other aspect of doing live recording that I really like is the fact that bands write often write songs together, they perform them together, they rehearse them together. Why wouldn't you record it all yeah. together too? Um, there's definitely a, a vibe that you get when you listen to a live recording, you know? Uh, and there's a lot of kind of uh, compromises that can be made too. Like, let's mm-hmm. just record the bass, the drums, and the rhythm guitar, and then we'll come back and we'll overdub some lead guitars and vocals. Okay. So the benefit of that is you get to use your best microphones and your best equipment on multiple sources. I see. I'm not, you know, wasting. Well, I shouldn't say wasting, but I'm not yeah, dedicating yeah. one signal path to one source. Yeah. Uh, I can come back and I can use that again and again. And yeah, that's you know that overall helps the the quality of the the final product. Yeah, Let, let's transition to car stuff. Okay, so you got the 1987 Forerunner. We also I had the privilege of being with you when you acquired the 1969 Toyota Corona. Yep, which is not a Corolla. <laughs> right, it's it precedes Corolla Corona. Uh, so you like old cars, you like messing around with that, and I feel like there's you know another parallel here. Another this is analog digital. The cars that you're that you're messing with and have restored. So you restored the 1987 Forerunner. These are cars that have little to no computer interface. That's true. Yeah, they do have a like a little brain. Um, so it, it's kind of a more like uh, basic version of what vehicles nowadays have, but. Uh, throughout the motor, there are sensors, heat sensors and temp, uh, uh, air sensors, and they all send information to a computer that just kind of adjusts the idle and tells the motor what it needs to be doing. Right. So and it's a, a primitive sort of version. But of the new cars today have probably <laughs> dozens times more sensors. and Right. And, the, and those are all meant to be more effective ways of maintaining the car, right? Makes it more efficient. Yeah, better yeah. fuel economy, um, just, yeah, a more uh, efficient engine. So why do you want to do this? Is it the same answer? Like, why do you want to do this with cars? Why do you want old cars? I think the, honestly, I think the biggest driver is just that I know how to work on them. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was a kid, I got an 82 Toyota pickup when I was 16. Oh, those are awesome. And... Uh, the, the water pump went out on it and I was, you know, fretting about how I was going to pay for it and get it fixed. And my dad was just like, well, why don't you try and fix it? And I was like, I don't know how to fix that. Uh, but I went down to, this was, you know, pre YouTube days. So I, <laughs> I went down to pet boys and talked to one of the guys at the counter and he kind of walked me through it a little bit and I went home and I changed out the water pump and it was successful. Wow. And ever since then. I just felt like, you know what? I'm going to try and fix it first. Yeah. So this Forerunner was the next sort of step for me in that same process that started when I was a teenager. And that it was the first time I pulled an engine out and rebuilt yeah. a motor and like really went that deep into a vehicle. Yeah. Uh, but I found that to be uh, a good confidence builder for me because I was like, okay, I did it. Now I drive it. You know, I drive that thing every day for a year and a half now. Yeah. So. That yeah, I had, I've had some old Jeeps, and I had Haynes manuals with yep, them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if something happened, I would just kind of, I would just kind of refer to the Haynes manual, 
And I actually learned so much experientially and they would do step-by-step instructions that that worked more than if I nowadays every once in a while if I YouTube if I YouTube something it'll be it'll work but uh, a lot of times it's not the exact model that I'm looking at and the guy doesn't have the shot good enough but Haynes manuals will be every little step and I've switched out some stuff and and uh, and Jeeps you know no offense, Jeep people, but Jeeps need it all the time. You need, you need the Haynes manual. I'm not going to comment on the Jeep debate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, so so you're going to restore now the 1969 Toyota Corona, and I was with you when you picked it up, and it's it needs uh, – maybe you could describe it as it needs a new everything. Yeah, I think bringing it back from the dead is probably Has it run in 20 years or more? 30 years. 30 yeah, years. It's, it's been sitting since 1987. And as you recall, the guy sold it as a barn find, but uh, we've definitely determined that the sun damage and the vines growing up through it say otherwise. Yeah, that was a that was misleading. <laughs> to as is a nice way of saying that. But he also adjusted the price, so you know. Yeah. Uh, the main reason I really went for it is it was complete. Um, yeah. All the emblems and all the trim and all the stuff that would really be difficult and expensive to find was there. Yeah. So the rest of it is is a lot of cosmetic, um, you know, body work. Yeah. And uh, obviously overhauling the engine is going to be big. Well, I think those, what, what you said when you said emblems, it made me think of an, another thought I had about all this, which is preserving history. Uh, so this equipment that you have here in the basement and then that, like Toyota no longer makes the Corona. No, it it's, became the... Um, Camry, I think in like 83 or so. But they're no longer making the emblems that say right. Corona Deluxe. So yep. you have to track down the remaining emblems and, and you're preserving something. And the people that I know that are really into vinyl music, listening to music on vinyl records, yeah, they will purchase new vinyls, but more, way more so they're into vinyl records from bands that no longer exist. And so there's something about holding on to, I don't know, holding on to something that's fading or sure. day gone by. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A nostalgic kind of aspect to it for sure. Uh, not every band that was putting out records in the sixties, fifties, seventies got digitized. You know, there's right. probably a bunch of records out there that the only way you can hear that band <laughs> oh, is man. on that record. Yeah. Um, you know these old vehicles. Um, you know they they're weathered and they're worn out, and most of them probably ended up in landfills and junkyards. You know, um, so yeah, preserving it, giving people an opportunity to see a fifty-year-old vehicle that you know fifty years ago was a, a common vehicle. Wow. Um, yeah. You know, it's just a nice little throwback. Um, they're fun to drive. I don't know. It's different. Um, so you mentioned just, I don't know if you used the word like, um, that special something, I can't remember how you worded it. I don't know what it is either. You know, it's just, yeah, that something you can't put. So I feel the same <laughs> way, but, but let's spend a few minutes trying. <laughs> okay. Let's try to put into words. Cause I think, you know, with this, this, uh, concept analog and the things about things, simplifying a concept without sacrificing depth, we've, we've talked a little bit about 
kind of the ins and outs of why you do it and how you do it and, and the process with, with sound engineering at least. But let's try to simplify this. I think you already did a little bit about just the experience and, and the senses, but let's talk more about that. Why does this feel, for lack of a better word, why does this a magical experience for people or a special experience? Why do, why when I see your forerunner or when I see uh, just some vintage car, do I go, oh, or like why when I listen to the vinyl, why, I mean, why would I go out of my way to, to hear the little on a vinyl? Why would I go, oh. So I've thought about this a lot, and the closest I've come to understanding it, I think, is it probably lies somewhere in the emotional realm. Um, You know, looking at a design from 30 years ago probably elicits a different emotional response. It's something different, something that you're not used to seeing. Uh, Maybe there's some unmeasurable aspects of the sound wave or of the light wave that digital doesn't capture. Maybe that representation is not complete and something gets lost in there. Wow. Um, You know, maybe... Yeah. Uh, I I, I think it's it's an emotional thing, though. I think we react and respond to these things emotionally. But that is really hard to put into words and to quantify. Quantify, right. right? Yeah, to quantify or qualify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you, you know, it's that abstract. How do you yeah. describe how this is making you feel? Mm-hmm. And I, if, with my role in church world, you know, churches are getting to the point where sometimes it's like, oh, this other, there's this other location, and you can watch the video of it, and it's the same content, and it's the same this, but I still hold to. There's just something, as as elementary as it seems, there is something about actual people in an actual place at an actual time and something actually happening in that space you're in. Yeah. That, it, that isn't the same if you're just pressing play. It's just shared some, experience. Yeah, shared experience. And maybe that's what it is where there's like this unknown element to it. Uh, what's that? There's a... In French, the je ne sais quoi. It yeah. means like, I don't know what. Right? Yeah. <laughs> As very special something, I don't know what. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just undefinable. I don't know, nobody wants to watch a tape of a football game or a baseball game. It's like, you got to watch it live. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not just, the same. <laughs> it's just not It's just not the same. <laughs> so so here's a question. What, what should listeners do now hearing this? you have any thoughts of if someone's like, oh, man, you know what? This is awesome, but I haven't done any of this. Do you have any recommendations of a place to start? If someone, they've, they're they all digital. If they want to go a little analog, and I know you said analog's embedded in everything, but if they want to kind of go analog, what's a good step? Well, I would start with that, you know, reminding yourself, thinking about the fact that it all starts analog and all ends analog. Our ears and our eyes, are they receive the analog signal. Um, you know, when a speaker plays a digital track, it's producing an an- it's producing those sound waves. You know, yeah. so it all starts and ends analog. Um, I don't know. I mean, go to the thrift store and try and find a, an old camera and just experiment with it. Um, yeah. You know, th- these are not uncommon 
things. Um, I think a lot of people probably just are drawn or go to digital photography, digital recording, whatever, because of the, again, the efficiency, the affordability, the accessibility of it. Um, but this is not something that doesn't exist. There's healthy communities around these things for sure, uh, all over the place. Um, so <laughs> you, uh, you can Google it and find them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Good idea. Just Google. It. Um, so, you know, I, I think if you had an interest, if you were someone who already enjoyed photography, you know, go pick up a, an old camera. Yeah. Um, if you are a musician that just kind of wonder what the analog sound or style might lead you into, uh, there's really affordable four-track recorders. That's what I got started on was a little tape, you know, put a cassette tape in there and it was a four-track recorder. Yeah. Um, getting you know familiar with just kind of the approach and start learning it's probably a little more to learn see like i'm not good at going on a computer and editing and doing stuff i I couldn't record you on a computer i wouldn't know how to do it yeah i could learn but so in that same regard you would have to probably give yourself a little patience go through a few rolls of film you know spend some time studying read the manual on the four track you know like (laughs) give yourself some time and remember that you're learning a new skill it's a different process um maybe go out of your way to listen to some records um go out of your way to look at go on instagram and look for film photography see if it if you feel a difference you know yeah maybe you know maybe it doesn't resonate with everybody the same way you know um see if you have a natural tendency to connect to it or if it looks different or sounds different. What are some additional analog ideas? So we've talked about recording sound, listening to music, taking pictures, working on cars. What are additional old school ways that are fading in our culture? Well, I have been interested to learn about, uh, what I'm not even sure what you remember what it's called. It's like the iPad pen or... Yeah. I can't um, remember right now. But, but yeah, yeah, it's like basically a stylus that you can draw with and you can dip into different colors and you can illustrate straight to a right. digital medium. Um, and I don't know how new really that is, but... Um, but wouldn't that just be a digital experience and not an analog experience? Yeah, so that would be the digi- new digitalization, the new world of sitting down with a pen and paper and, and drawing. All right. Picture. So there we go. Like maybe if someone <laughs> wants to get into it, purchase paper, purchase yeah. a pen. Dixon Ticonderoga <laughs> number two pencil. Yeah. And or maybe a buy, a, buy a journal and write yeah. down your thoughts instead of just uh, blogging them. There you go. Yeah. Um, write something down and put it in an envelope and mail it to someone. Yeah. Mail is a, is a good example. Um, you know, what's, typically in your mailbox advertisements and bills like when was the last time a friend mailed you something right and when you do receive something that feeling you know yeah they went out of their way exactly to do this they care we're all so busy Mm -hmm. um but yeah so then that you know that intention behind that probably carries more significance or i know too when i sometimes when i hang out with people if instead of texting um, to coordinate something that leads to some sort of invite event invite via my phone that I'm supposed to accept or decline. (laughs) If I'm standing in front of someone and they say, do you want to hang out next Thursday? 
and I have to say yes. <laughs> it's like something like I I now have bought into it more so than the texting version of it for some reason. Sure. I don't know why that is, but I I care more or I commit more if I'm talking to you and I have to look at you as we discuss our time together. Well, that probably <laughs> would start reaching into the difference of those online relationships and the real world, you know, mm-hmm. physical world relationships because uh, maybe there's a distance and a separation when you're communicating through a phone or a computer yeah. that, you know, it's easier to get out of it. Right. Or or saying something or writing something that would be what you would put on on a social media post. Somebody posts something and instead of clicking the heart or saying like, I love this, if you actually saw the person and said, I really loved that picture that you posted. It's interesting you say that because I just mentioned this to Bryony the other night. I said, um, you know, my recent uh, experimentation getting into the Instagram and social media is the first in many years. It was like 07 was the last time I messed with social media. And there in just in this first few weeks, because I'm friends, you know, or I, I know people on there that I don't that I also know here in Boone. You know, they're yeah. people that we share the community with. And there seems to be this very rigid divide between those two aspects of our... Like, you never talk about the social media. It's weird. Like, Right. Like, you interacted online, but you don't even acknowledge that it happened yeah, in person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I found myself compelled to go out of my way and say, man, that was a cool picture. Or I saw the artwork that you posted up on there, and that looks really cool. And just right. somehow I feel like I should acknowledge it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, we're just talking about what it means to be human right now, really. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, let's let's continue to be human and remember what it means to be human. Analog humans. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any closing thoughts for us here? Um, I still prefer to look at the world through analog eyes too. Just you know, maybe because of the way I'm wired. I know that most of my experience day to day is touching and feeling and seeing and that digital actually is a very small sliver and probably is for most people uh, of our our existence you know yes yeah. it's, it's not such a such a big part and uh, a lot of the there's a lot of words that are used in marketing and in uh, advertisements that um, use the term digital and um, to enhance or make things sound better. And, yeah. You know, I don't know that that's fair. I think it's just different, you know. Yeah. So saying, you know, 240 digital channels, it, you just say 240 channels. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's but great. digital makes it sound <laughs> right. somehow better. So, you know, I like to not listen to that so much. Yeah. I just realize that I'm seeing the light of the sun bouncing off an object and absorbing certain parts of the light spectrum and what bounces back is that green and what yeah. bounces back is that orange in my forerunner or whatever, you know? Um, Although that's a debate it, because it's, it's technically considered red, right? No, technically it's orange. The oh, color is oh. called snap orange. But people think <laughs> but it's red. About half you included, say, right? I, I think it's red. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, and I think uh, it's orange. This is like the dress. Fifty split. <laughs> yeah, know? and then my kids, they they uh, they got in an argument with each other about what color it was, and and we finally decided to just call it red orange. 
And then it was a debate of, no, we should call it orange red. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, well, thanks for for your wisdom here in this insight. Uh, Just a good reminder to just be fully present with where you are and with who you're with and with what you're doing, whether it's some an analog machine or not, it, try to experience it, be fully present with it and realize all the senses that are involved here and, and, and be present here. So thanks for your time, man. I continually learn so much from all these things that you're good at. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate you having me. It's fun to talk about this stuff. Yeah. And if anybody <laughs> wants to, uh, maybe record an album, it, you can either track down the, red orange orange red forerunner <laughs> and tell him or if you can ask me and i'll get you his contact info if you want to uh, get involved with that and listen to some analog music um, but thanks for joining in for concept 11 this discussion about analog and if you want to you can go to things about things.com for more things <laughs> <laughs>